Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. There was a lot of people down in Florida for the O's opening of spring training. And to the point where out here I was asking everybody, it's like, wait a second, you all get to do church from Florida. Why can't I do church from Florida? So church and ministry, you should be ready for that conversation at some point. But I was getting messages from folks here who are down there, and I hope you're having a wonderful time. But I was thinking about it as the Orioles kicked off yesterday. I remember one time, this was between my freshman and my sophomore year of college. For those who don't know, I played college baseball for two years. So this was between those two years. And I remember going to an O's game, like right in the late July, something like that. And I was, I was in the middle of trying to figure out, like, how much did I want to keep playing baseball? I'd had a difficult freshman year. I mean, I don't really know anybody who doesn't have a difficult freshman year when you're playing sports. It was a hard time. I'm like, how much more do I want to do this? So, but, you know, we're going down. And, and so we go down to the O's game. I don't remember who won. But I do remember it was the only time I'd, I'd ever been down for fireworks, and so the fireworks are happening. So, and naturally, you know, the people who have season tickets who see this all the time, they all leave. She leaves the rest of us to just do whatever we want. See, naturally, me and my buddies, we go down and we sit right behind, right behind home plate to watch the fireworks. And I remember watching them go off over the warehouse. And it was a really, really kind of pretty scene. I mean, Camden Yards in and of itself is just a beautiful place to be, whether you like baseball or not. It's just a, it's just a, I don't know, there's just something about being, seeing that green field and the brown and all of it. And I remember that I'm sitting there thinking about my future in baseball and watching these fireworks break over, over the warehouse. And I remember saying to myself, I am going to make it. I am going to make it. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how talented I am or not. And some of you are like, <laughs> I don't know how good I was. Like, none of, like, how many of us ever maximize how good we are at anything? So I don't know how good I was. But I remember sitting there on that night and saying, I am going to make it. I'm going to do this. I don't know if you've noticed. Let's put it this way. There are no baseball cards of me. Let's just put it that way. And looking back today, I start to understand that everyone that played on that field last night had that exact same moment, this burning passion and desire to be at the top of what they do. I think it was Nick Marcakis, Adam Jones, that bunch. Those guys wanted to be O's players as badly as I did. But there was a big difference. We're going to talk about that difference today. We continue in our sermon series, If You Want to Go Far. And last week, if you want, we said, if you want to go far, you've got to follow me, which is what Jesus says. And we talked about sort of this theme throughout Scripture, that love is at the heart of the things that change our lives. We said at Sinai, God implores the people to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, it, all the commandments are there, yes, but the thing that matters most is whether you love God with all that you have. And we talked about in the Gospel of Luke, Peter has this experience, this remarkable catch of fish that changes his life and just blows his heart open for Jesus. From that moment, he is converted. He fails, but he is converted in that moment. He loves Jesus. Love is at the heart of any worthwhile journey that we would take. 
And I wanted to share with you, and I remind you yet again, that all of us have that Peter story. Every one of us has some time where we're like, you know what, I could, it, life got thin, and I could sense God's presence in a really powerful way, and I knew God was present in my life. You already have that Peter story. You already have that moment where God draws close to you. So if you want to go far, we said last week, you have to keep telling that story. Keep that story in front of you. God's call and God's love for you. But so then, and there's at least one person here who feels this way, maybe more. So why is it you feel far from God? Why is your faith kind of still at the same level that you were when you got confirmed? Why so often does prayer feel like a bore? Why does it seem like those bed sheet covers are so much more comfortable on a Sunday morning for some reason? Why do we hesitate when we're confronted with need of someone else? If God is at work in my life, then shouldn't I be feeling it? Shouldn't that be empowering me? Shouldn't that be driving my life forward? Well, here's a truth that I want you to consider this morning. Because you might love Jesus, but Jesus isn't the only love in your heart. Now, to be fair, that's entirely normal and good. Nobody's saying otherwise. To be human is to love many things. I had this experience yesterday. It was great. I had the O's on one TV. The Red Wings were on another TV. And Jenny was asleep upstairs on the sofa. I was surrounded by all the things that I love. And it's okay to love. It was a great afternoon. And there were no emergencies. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. To be human is to love many things. But of all the things that we cherish in our souls, for all the things that you identify some love for, you can do your own list. But for all those things, there is something at the center of your heart. There is something that you love most. And here's what I want you to understand. That love has the power to shape our lives. Theologians will say that is the thing that we ultimately worship. Who we are isn't determined by what we think. Who we are, and we talked about this last week, is determined by what we love. And that love, sorting that out, is far more complicated than we presume. The author and theologian James K.A. Smith, whose work I'm dealing with right now, and I think he's, I think he's a wonderful writer, and he writes about this topic. He writes this. He says, our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. Our wants, longings, and desires are at the core of our identity, and they are the wellspring from which our actions and our behaviors flow. In other words, what we love most is what we do. Hear that again. What we love most is what we do. And if we love, then we are being spiritually formed. This is why when people tell me I'm not really a spiritual person, I'm saying, mm, yeah, not so much. I don't believe that for a second because I believe we are, if we are human, then we are spiritual. If you love anything at all, 
then you are a spiritual being. And if you love anything at all, then you are being spiritually formed. The question for us is, who or what is forming you? And is that ultimately the place you want to go? That's the question. Who or what is forming you? It's not a question if you're being formed. What is forming you? And if you look all the way down the road, is that actually where you want to end up? Because we're all going somewhere, right? Every one of us are pointed towards some notion of a good and full life. Yes? And that vision that we have, whatever it is for you, creates in us patterns of behaviors that seek to bring us to the place that we desire most. If you don't trust a modern theologian, let me give you a much older one. Martin Luther put it much more succinctly. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. What we love leads us to act in certain ways. So why are we stuck in our faith? Why are we struggling? Why do we say, God, you know, I just haven't, I just, this isn't where I want to be. Why, do, why does that happen? Often it is because while we love Jesus, we are letting other good things, other loves, other notions of the good life be more central to us and form our identity more. It is entirely possible to love Jesus and not have Jesus shaping your life. That night at Camden Yards for me, I loved baseball more than anything else in the world. It was a week later when I decided not to go to the gym that I discovered there were things I loved more than I loved baseball. And we can be shaped by many things. We're shaped by consumerism. We're shaped by politics. We're shaped by family. We're shaped by tradition. You make your own list. But if we are committed to letting Jesus be the very center of our lives, the things that we love most, then we have to let Christ actually shape those lives. Christ has to be the wellspring from which our actions and our behaviors flow. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 14. This beautiful scene. John doesn't really have an upper room scene, but this is kind of the upper room, so to speak. Jesus says, I have already gone and prepared a place for you. You've heard this at every funeral. But don't listen to it in funeral words. Listen to it in right now words. I've gone and prepared a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is expressing his love for his, for his followers. He says, I want to be with you. I want to be present with you. I want to share life with you. And in this, Jesus is giving them a picture of their desired end. Where are we going? Relationship with, God. Relationship with Christ in the presence of God. But thank God for Thomas, right? Because Thomas goes, how can we know the way? How do we get there? I could see it, but I don't know how to get there. See, in this, Jesus is making the same promise to the disciples that he's already made to you in your heart when you had that moment where you knew God was present. But here in this upper room, in this really intimate moment, as Jesus' journey to the cross is about to be fully revealed in all of its horror and all of its glory... Thomas's question is a lot like ours. God, I have this story. I want to follow you, but what do you want me to do? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Some of you will pull back from this verse a little bit. Boy, I invite you to hang in there. Because this verse is often used for evangelism. We aim it at other people and say, our God is right and whatever it is you believe is wrong. All right, I don't want to do that. Why don't I want to do that? Because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus doesn't use this verse to aim it at other people. When Jesus uses this, when he says this, he isn't talking to non-believers. He isn't talking to his opponents. He's talking to his closest followers. And it is to those who love Christ and those who want to follow him. Jesus doesn't say, I will show you a way. Jesus says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here, Jesus makes a really bold statement, and it's bigger than you think it is. Jesus is saying, there is no path to God that you have glimpsed in your own soul that doesn't run through Jesus. There is no path to God that you've glimpsed in your own soul that doesn't run through Jesus. Christianity is not a grab bag of spiritual stuff. It is not taught by Jesus or inspired by Jesus or, you know, it's being with Jesus but moves beyond Jesus. No, the Christian faith, the way to the desired end of a good and fulfilled life in the person of Jesus Christ, it is defined by a person who taught certain things and lived a certain way. Christian, Christian discipleship is shaped always by the person and work of Jesus. And the Jesus truth, the things we say we believe and our own story of how God has been in our lives, calls us to a Jesus way of life. And what does that leave at the end? It calls us to a Jesus life. The way, the truth, and the life are all put together into a way for you and for me. And so if we are serious about letting Jesus be the core of our loves and letting, it, letting that love shape us, then we have to come face to face with Jesus. And there are so many things, sometimes including the church, that will give us pathways around Jesus. But we have to take seriously the person of Jesus. And the beauty of our faith, and this is the whole point of Advent and Christmas, so don't forget that. The beauty of our faith is that he does not invite us to reach up. No, Christ is always reaching down. Christ is always seeking to give us ways to come face to face with him. And so if we would live out of our love but take good and solid steps as the psalmist writes, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. If we would make our first steps solid and firm, then our faith offers us several really helpful things that are in the shape and in the person of Jesus. First things first. We cannot follow Jesus unless we lovingly come face to face with the story of Jesus, which means one of the ways that Jesus gives us to get to know him and to love him is he gives us the scriptures. And church, I'm going to ask us to look deep inside and say, how much do we love the scriptures? Because it is the story of Jesus. It is not a rule book. 
Because here's the thing, there are lots of rules in there that you aren't following, like, even as you sit here. Like, it's not a rule book. Like, any of you that are wearing two different kinds of cloth are breaking one of the laws, and we're either going to hell or that doesn't count, and I know which one I hope is right. But the scriptures are not a rule book. But as we read the story of Jesus and as we read the story of those who were faithful to God and the stories of those who were not faithful to God, we start to discover patterns of behavior, ways of walking that come up out of love for God that are healthy. And then we also learn some things that aren't as healthy. And both of them are really good for us. But the scriptures bring us face to face with the story and the words of Jesus. This is why from the very earliest days, the Christian church has valued the scriptures. They call them the word of God, but in a secondary sense. The first sense is Jesus is the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the scriptures are the word of God to the extent that they point us to the person of Jesus. Second, prayer. Prayer is conversation with Jesus in the shape of Jesus. And this is why I teach liturgical prayer. Not that non-liturgical prayer is not good. Of course it is. But liturgical prayer sometimes lacks the guardrails that can send us sideways to the left or to the right. The reason we do liturgy and worship and we have a prayer liturgy and the reason I teach praying the Psalms is because those are exactly the prayers that Jesus would have prayed. That, the Psalms are Jesus' prayer book. So if Jesus was praying them, they will form us into the person. They will form us like Jesus. Why do we do the Lord's Prayer? Because it is the prayer of Jesus. Scriptural prayer. The prayers that we get later in the Bible. Well, these are the prayers of others who prayed and who knew Jesus and who said, hey, these are in the style and it, with the inspiration of Jesus. Liturgical prayer gives us words that shapes both our bodies and our spirits. And the final thing that I'll commend to you is communion, or perhaps more broadly, the sacraments. And you know this well. When we stand up here, we do communion. We say, this is my body given for you. This is my blood given for you. The cross and resurrection are made, made present. And when we eat and when we drink, we become what we eat. And the new life is put inside of us. So in Scripture, we get the story of Jesus. In prayer, we get the voice of Jesus. And in, and in the sacraments, we get the very body and blood of Jesus. And this is in keeping with what the church has always done. Acts chapter 2 tell us, tells us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the story of Jesus. And to fellowship, they did it together. To the breaking of bread, that's what goes on here. And to the prayers. There was a life they lived, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a life they lived that served the love that they felt for Jesus. And as long as our hearts and our bodies and our lives are focused on Christ as our deepest love, we too will start to hear more clearly what Jesus says to Philip. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's not just a promise for the 12 guys who sat in that room. It's a promise for every one of us. And so I want to leave it with your journey. If you want to go far, talking about journeys, we'll... In this upper room, Jesus heads off on his journey towards the cross. But there's a journey that you're going on in your life as well. And I invite you to see yourself in the person of Timothy. Timothy is Paul's protege. Remember, I told you, we're all following somebody. We're all following some level. Timothy has committed himself to the tutelage of Paul. 
And Timothy has a vocational call on his life. He knows what his life is to be about, and he's trying to do that well. And I imagine that he wrote, wrote Paul and said, hey, look, here's the stuff going on in my church. Here's the stuff going on in my life. And Paul says back to him, train yourself for godliness. Whatever your vocation is, train yourself for godliness. Your vocation, what your life is about, has to be shaped by something. And so put into practice the things that will help your love for Christ come alive in your real and actual life. Because right now, all of us, and I'll be first on the list, all of us are better at being ourselves than we are at being like Jesus. All of us are. That's what it means to be human. But Jesus keeps calling us. More like me. More like me. Keep coming. And so we've got to train. Our love won't be enough if we don't train ourselves in the way of Christ. Our bodies, our time, our resources. When we train them, we create space for Christ to be a larger part of our life. And Paul tells us that it has value for all things. He says physical training, working out, has value for some things. He says get your body in line, of course. But he says it said spiritual training has value for all things. Which means... There's not a relationship in your life, a situation in your life, an issue at work, something going on deep inside of you. There's no part of your life that won't be strengthened by your pursuit of your love of Jesus Christ. And so, I want to caution us, though, one, one real quick thing so that we don't mistake this, and then we'll get to singing. I want to caution us because sometimes the question churches ask is, the question is, how do I follow Jesus? But sometimes what we do, sometimes what churches ask is, well, how has the church done it in the past? Or what does the church tell us to do? And here's what I want you to know. I love the church. And I believe in the church's power to change lives through the power of Jesus Christ. But loving the church isn't the same thing as loving Jesus. If we love the church first, if we love the church most, it is entirely possible that actually our love for Jesus will die on the vine. But if we love Jesus, the church will always and everywhere flourish because that is the power of God for salvation. And so whatever we do, church, unchurched, whatever, let us always ask the question, does this course of action for me move me towards Jesus or away from Jesus? Does this reflect Jesus more in my life or not? Our priorities, our decisions, our practices, let them all be shaped by the person and work of Jesus. And step by step, we become more like Jesus and we experience more of the transforming love and power of Christ in our lives and in the church, which is what we want, right? None of us want to be like Sam at Camden Yards who had a great big dream and nothing ever came of it. None of us want to do that in our lives. None of us want to be like, well, you know what, God whispered these things and I don't know where he went we don't want that if we want to go far we've got to follow the way a way that has a shape and a definition and a personality because that way is Jesus and Lent is the time for us to say hey we're on a journey we're headed towards the cross Jesus love poured out on all the world let's dial our love in let's practice together Let's train in godliness. Let's do some things that will grow our heart for God and our love for the world.
because, as the psalmist reminds us, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his ways. 